Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the book of First Samuel. The book of First Samuel and chapter number 1. The book of First Samuel and chapter number 1. We're going through this series of the period of the Judges. And as we're going through this period in chronological order, of course, we start it with the book of Joshua and we proceed it through the book of Judges, hit the book of Ruth. And now as we're still in the book of Judges, we now cross over for the first time into the book of First Samuel. Remember where we left off was the the judgeship of Jephthah. And we had talked about Jephthah and his vow and his dealing with people. And it was during the reign of Jephthah that we have two important characters that are born inside of this era of Jephthah's reign. And we find ourselves as Jephthah is ruling, as he is the overseer, he's the military chieftain. We now find back in Israel a family that has been praying. Notice with me in the book of First Samuel chapter number 1. The book of First Samuel chapter 1 and verse number 1. The word of God says this. Now there was a certain man of Ramoth Zerapham of Mount Ephraim. And his name was Elkanah the son of Jehoram. The son of Eluhu. The son of Tohu. The son of Zuf, an Ephraite. And he, excuse me, and he had two wives, and the name of one was Hannah, and the other was Penana. And Penana had children, but Hannah had no children. And this man went up out of his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice unto the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were the priests of the Lord, the priests of the Lord were there. And when the time was that Elkanah offered, he gave to Penana his wife, and to her sons and her daughters portions. But unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah, but the Lord had shut up her womb. And her adversary also provoked her sore, for to make her fret, because the Lord had shut up her womb. And as he did so year by year, when she went up to the house of the Lord, so she provoked her. Therefore she wept and did not eat. Then Elkanah, her husband, to her, Hannah, why weepest thou, and why eatest thou not? And why is thy heart grieved? Am I... Am not I better to thee than ten sons? So Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh and after they had drunk. Now Eli the priest sat upon a seat by the post of the temple of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou will indeed look On the affliction of thine handmaiden. And remember me. And not forget thine handmaiden. But will give unto thine handmaiden a little child. Then I will give him unto the Lord. 
all the days of his life. And there shall no razor come upon his head. And it came to pass, as she continued praying before the Lord, that Eli marked her mouth. Now Hannah, she spake in her heart. Only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she had been drunken. And Eli said unto her, How long will thou be drunken? Put away thy wine from thee. And Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Count not thine head, maiden, for a daughter of Belial. For out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken hitherto. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace. And the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou asked of him. And she said, Let thine handmaiden find grace in thy sight. So the woman went her way and did eat, and her countenance was no more sad. And they rose up in the morning early and worshipped before the Lord, and returned and came to their house in Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah his wife, and the Lord remembered her. Wherefore it came to pass, when the time was come, about after Hannah had conceived, that she bare a son, and called his name Samuel, saying, Because I have asked him of the Lord. And the man Elkanah and all of his house went up to offer unto the Lord the yearly sacrifice and his vow. But Hannah went not up, for she said unto her husband, I will not go up until the child be weaned. Then I will bring him, that he may appear before the Lord, and there abide forever. And Elkanah her husband said unto her, Do what thou seemest thee good, tarry until thou hast weaned him. Only the Lord establish his word. So the woman abode and gave her son suck until she weaned him. And when she had weaned him, she took him up with her with three bullocks and one Ephra of flour and a bottle of wine and brought him unto the house of the Lord in Shiloh and the child was young and they slew a bullock and brought the child to Eli and she said O my Lord as thy soul liveth my Lord I am the woman that stood by thee here praying unto the Lord for this child I prayed and the Lord hath given me my petition that I asked of him therefore also have I lent him to the Lord, as long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord, and he worship the Lord there. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, as we talk about Hannah in this passage, notice the phrase in 1 Samuel chapter number 1. 1 Samuel chapter 1 and verse number 27, For this child I prayed. For this child I prayed. And as we do a quick study on the life of Hannah, Let's see this phrase that marks her here. For this child, I prayed. Let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much again for you being a wonderful God. And I thank you that you're a God who does hear and answer prayer. And as we come up to you and we're talking to a real being who hears us, who loves us, who cares for us, I'm asking that we glean from this even more that you are a God who will hear us. Lord, there's many of us who may have something heavy on our hearts, that we may have something heavy in our lives. Let us have hope in seeing that you're a God that can do the impossible, the God that can change the things, a God that could answer the impossible. 
Lord, as we approach this now, I'm very conscious of my need of you. I'm asking that you would be my strength, that you would be my encouragement, you would be my all in all, and that you would get your own work accomplished through your word. Please fill me with your spirit. Just be God and draw people close to you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we approach this passage in 1 Samuel and we're introduced to this lady by the name of Hannah, we almost see like three phases of her life in dealing with this issue of praying for a son. And the first phase we want to see is is her barrenness. We start off with the barrenness. Notice with me in 1 Samuel chapter 1 and verse number 1. Now there was a certain man of Ramoth, of Mount Ephraim, and it goes on and explains about Elkanah. So the husband is Elkanah. And Elkanah, in verse 2, he had two wives. And the name one of one was Hannah, and the other of the other one was Penina. And Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. And this man, that's Elkanah, went up to his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice under the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were the priests of the Lord. And when the time was come that Elkanah offered, that he gave to Penina his wife and to her sons and her daughters portions. But unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah, but the Lord had shut up her womb. So we have a man by the name of Elkanah, and he has two sons, Hannah and Penina. And he loved Hannah, and he loved her so much, but the problem was is that she didn't have any children. And that broke her heart. There was something in her that wanted to have children. And every year he made his vow that he would go up and sacrifice at the tabernacle to do his vow to go up and honor the Lord. And he would bring the whole family. We're all going to the house of the Lord. Everyone, let's load them up. Let's go. And they would make their trip to there. And when he was there, he would give everyone the portion to sacrifice, to give unto the Lord and for them to have. And he tried to do everything that he was supposed to do. But Hannah... And Penina had a rivalry. Notice in verse number 6. And her adversary, that's Hannah's adversary, also provoked her sore for to make her fret because the Lord had shut up her womb. Now in the ancient world, uh, for a woman to have a baby was a very big deal. A lady had grown up all of her life wanting children. That was her desire. That was her heart. And in the ancient world, any woman who could not bear children was looked down on in that society. That you were not woman enough. You weren't able to perform your duties. And so with already two wives, uh, you could just imagine two ladies living together and trying to share the same husband. Uh, that would be a horrible thing. But but this Penina would use this opportunity to say, I'm better than you. You can't even give him children. I'm the woman here. You're nothing. And she would use every opportunity to rub it in her face that Hannah could not have children. And it was a big deal. And can you imagine Hannah, her desire of her hearts to have a baby and she can't have a baby and they've done everything they can. They probably tried every wives tale and every whatever else and they can't have the baby. And then to make it worse, she... She couldn't get away from it. It wasn't like it was a friend down the block. She's living with this lady. And every chance she gets, she provokes Hannah. What, you're not woman enough to get the job? Let a real woman through and I'll show you how it's done. And 
Every time she could, she provoked her. And it would even get worse during this travel time because Hannah would come and she would pray and she would pray and, 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 and Elkanah would divide out everything and he would give a good portion to Penina and the kids. To Hannah, he would give a little bit more and he would try to say, Honey, I still love you even though you can't have children. I still love you. But still, it didn't help with that lady next to her provoking her sore. And it was making her cry and making her weep. Verse 7. And as he did year by year, she went up to the house of the Lord. For she, she provoked her. Therefore, she wept and did not eat. And Elkanah, her, um, then said Elkanah, her husband, to her, Hannah, why weepest thou? Why eatest thou not? And why is thy heart grieved? Am I not better to thee than ten sons? Now, he's doing his best, but it's hard for him to comfort his wife. I mean, it's going to be all right, honey. But the thing that she's missing is children. She's missing that purpose. She's missing that. That's what she wants as a son. She wants a baby. And as much as patting her on the shoulder and said it's going to be all right, that just doesn't comfort her the way that she needs to be comforted. So we see this phase here, this barrenness. After being provoked and after years of not having a child, we come to the second phase, which is brokenness. Brokenness. Notice with me in verse number nine. So Hannah rose up after they'd eaten in Shiloh. Remember, Shiloh is where the house of the Lord is at this time. It's where the tabernacle is at. And so they had traveled all the way from Ephraim all the way to Shiloh. Now, after they had, um, Hannah rose up after they'd eaten in Shiloh and after they had drunk. Now, Eli, the priest, sat upon the seat by the post of the temple of the Lord. Now, Eli is the high priest. He is a descendant of Aaron. He's the guy who's in charge. And his two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, are, are the people who are doing the day-to-day -day operations of the temple or of the tabernacle. We'll learn more about them on Sunday morning. But they're overseeing things. And here's Eli. You can imagine that it's it's later at night and Eli's sitting kind of just maybe in a rocking chair or something. There's a seat by the, the temple and he's overlooking and he looks and there's someone at the altar. And notice his reaction to it, if you don't mind, in verse number 10. And she, that's Hannah, was in bitterness of soul. Now, this doesn't mean that she was bitter with God. The word bitterness it has the idea of some of just that bitterness. There's such a brokenness in her heart. There's this something in her that she just can't get over. And she's going to God and she's weeping. She's so broken hearted that the tears are streaming. That she's just, it's in her heart. Notice this. She prayed, she was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. So she's pouring herself out. You can Im imagine that it's not regular service time. It's all by herself. She's come to the altar by herself and she's getting some alone time with her and God. And she's just weeping and she's pouring her heart to God and she's crying out and tears are streaming. 
Notice what she's praying in verse 11. And she vowed a vow. She made a promise and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou will indeed look upon the affliction of thine handmaiden and remember me and forget not thine handmaiden, but will give unto thine handmaiden a man child, then I will give him unto the Lord of all the days of his life. And there shall no razor come upon his head. So she prays and says, God, if you just give me a man child, you give me a boy. I'll give him back to you. You give me the boy and I'll give him back to you. And he's yours for the rest of your life. I just want a boy. I just want a son. And I want to give him back to you. And I want so a razor doesn't touch his head. He's actually going to be taking the vow of a Nazarite, which we'll learn on Sunday night a little bit more. But it's good for your notes to know that Samuel will be a Nazarite. Uh, We'll talk more about that later. But she goes, I'll give him to you. And for the rest of his life, he's yours, Lord. Just give him to me and I'll give him back to you. I just want a son. Give me a son. Give me a son. Verse 12. And then it came to pass as she continued praying before the Lord, Eli marked her mouth. So she's praying. She may not even realize that he's there. Or maybe she says it's the high priest. It's no big deal. But he's watching this lady pray. She's, he's watching her as she's Moving her mouth and no words are coming out. He's watching the tears. He's watching her posture. And this is a lady that's broken. But he misunderstands. Now Hannah, verse number uh, 13. Now Hannah spake in her heart. Only her lips moved. But her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she was drunken. Now Eli, to put some context, is not a godly guy. His kids are not raised right. He's used to other stuff. And so instead of seeing a woman here who's crying out to the Lord, he automatically says, oh, man, it's one of those drunks again. They come in over here. Why do they always got to bother me? Why? You know, it's an inconvenience to him not recognizing this is a lady that's pouring her heart out to God. Now, that's not going to help. She's already brokenhearted because she doesn't have a son. She's brokenhearted because the other wife keeps provoking her and stuff. And now the high priest comes over here and he thinks she's drunk. Verse number 14. And Eli said to her, how long will thou be drunken? Put away thy wine from me. Why do you have to be drunk around here? Go be drunk somewhere else. You know, go away. Man, nothing like being kicked when you're down. Verse number 15. And Hannah answered and said, no, my Lord. I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I have drinking neither wine nor strong drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Count not thine head made for a daughter of Belial. For out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken hereto. She just pours out and she goes, no, I'm not drunk. I'm just so broken hearted. I just want God to answer my prayers. Please, I'm sorry. I just, you know, you can almost just imagine. What does she say? Here's the high priest, the guy who's supposed to be the one that communes with God. Get up, you drunk lady. I'm not. You'd almost see her breaking down even more, being accused of something. You know, tears flowing now. I'm not drunk. I'm I'm just broken hearted. Poor Hannah. This brokenness that she's going through. Starting off from barrenness to brokenness. But the good news is that she moves to the third phase of blessedness. A blessedness. Notice with me in verse number 17. Then Eli answered and said, go and peace. 
And the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. Now, he doesn't know. She didn't tell him what she was praying for. He says, God answered your prayer. God's going to answer your prayer. He didn't know what it was, but God's going to answer your prayer. Verse number 18. And she said, let thy handmaiden find grace in thy sight. So the woman woman went her way and noticed this and did eat. And her countenance was no more sad. Now, she knew that God answered her prayer. And it wasn't because some backslidden uh, Christian or backslidden priest told her so. It was because God gave her a peace. You know, there's something amazing when you get a hold of God and you pray and you get through and you don't know how it's going to work out. But God puts his hand on you and says, I've got it handled. Oh, there's nothing like that peace. There's nothing like when it breaks through and you know God's heard your petition. Finally, just got through. And you say, it's all good. Remember, she hasn't eaten because she's been so broken hearted. Have you ever been so upset that you can't eat? That's where she was at. She just couldn't eat. But now God gave her such a peace and it was evident she could go eat again. She was able. It was off of her shoulders. It was rolled off. Verse number 19. And they arose up in the morning early and worshiped before the Lord. So they're still doing what they were supposed to. They came to go to the house of God to worship. And they did that. And returned and went to their house in Ramah. And Elkanah knew his wife. And the Lord remembered her. Wherefore it came to pass when it came time that Hannah conceived. That she bare a son and called his name Samuel. Because I have asked him of the Lord. So she finally gets this baby son. And God answered a prayer. I want you to think for a second. Why did God wait to answer a prayer? Do you think that God wanted to answer a prayer? Absolutely. Why did God wait? Do you think that God had a plan? Absolutely. Then why did he wait? He was working on her to finally get broken enough to say, it's not my son. It's going to be yours. He was waiting for her to finally get to the place where she would willingly give her son back. Freely, openly, without provocation. Willingly do that. You know, God wants to answer our prayers. And we sometimes say, why isn't he answering? Sometimes he's waiting for us to get to the place of full surrender. To allow him to be God. But God is a God who's able to answer prayers. He is able to work. He is able to do the impossible. And remember to Hannah, this was impossible. It wasn't like she was a a young lady. This is a lady who had lived her life and had been wanting the one thing, a son, a baby. And now she had him. Now Elkanah the next year says, all right, we got the baby boy. Good. Now we need to go to the temple. It's time to go. She goes, wait, wait, wait. I made a promise to God and I'm not... I made a promise that I'm going to give this son to him. And I plan to do that. But I'm going to wait until he's weaned. Until he's prepared. Then I'll give him, give him and keep that promise. Now, remember uh, this old-fashioned way. They didn't have grocery stores and whatever else. That ladies would feed uh, the babies from themselves. And up in this ancient world, they would do that until about five years old. So she had five years to spend with her son, five years to invest and to teach him and to love on him and to pour everything out. You know, they say that the golden age of learning is between one to seven. 
that they learn so much. And if you, the Jesuit priest of the Catholic Church, they used to say this. You give us your children under seven years old, then we'll have them for the rest of our lives. It, what you teach them in those golden ages of learning will set them forever. The psychologists and the people who study those things, they said that a child begins to develop their personality traits and all that stuff by age three. By age five, their personality is set. Meaning that you, you only have a small amount of time to mold them and to work them and to correct them before some of their personalities, their quirks and other stuff is set. And then that's them. Now you have to do some correcting and stuff after. But that's that golden age of learning. That's that golden age of investing in them. And let me tell you parents that if you get them when they're young and you capture their hearts and you point them to Jesus... They won't go astray. That's their time of teaching them and to molding them. Now, I'm not saying that that people are unsalvageable after that. What I'm just saying is that that's the time to reach them. That is the time to mold them and to keep their heart towards God at that time. You think of Moses. Remember Moses? His own mother raised him until he was weaned until about five years old. And then he was brought over to the Egyptian public school system. And you know what happened? Moses chose Jesus. It talks about in Hebrews chapter 11 that Moses esteemed the riches of Christ greater. He, he chose Jesus rather than the riches. Now is the time to invest in him. And so Hannah had him for five years. And praise the Lord because he's fixing to go. Even though he's dedicated to God, he's going to be placed into the home of Eli and his wicked sons who are not saved. And, the, and we're going to see that comparison Sunday morning of Samuel and Eli's son. What made the difference? A loving mother who prayed and gave her son to the Lord. Now, remember, when we do baby dedications and stuff, we don't dedicate a baby. We dedicate the parents to raise that children child right. The child doesn't have a choice. The parents are the ones that have the choice to raise the children properly. And that's, there's a golden age of learning to, to love on them, to point them up to the Lord. And she did that. Verse 24. And when she had weaned him, she took him up with him with three bullocks and one ephah of flour and a bottle of wine and brought him to the house of the Lord in Shiloh. And the child was young. And they slew the bullock and brought the child unto Eli. And she said, O oh my Lord. So she went up to Eli and said, hey, you remember me? I was the girl that you said I was drunk, but I was praying. Here's the answer to prayer. And by the way, verse number 26. And she said, oh, my Lord, as thy soul liveth, my Lord, I am the woman that stood by thee here praying unto the Lord. For this child I prayed. And the Lord hath given me my petition, which I asked of him. Therefore, I have lent him to the Lord. And as long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord. And he, notice this he, that's Eli, this backslidden priest. He worshiped the Lord there. You know, even he was shocked to answer to prayer. Isn't it funny how we're sometimes shocked when God answers our prayer? I mean, we prayed, but we're surprised. God answered a prayer. Sometimes we're so shocked that God does answer prayer, but he does. He does. And by the way, God is the God of the impossible. 
God can do so many answers to prayer. May I give you an example? This message was one of the famous messages from Dr. John R. Rice. Dr. John R. Rice wrote a great book of prayer called Asking and Receiving. And every Christian should read that. It's a revolutionary book that's been around for many, 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 many years. It's an amazing book. What he would do is he would go to different conferences and he would preach this about Hannah. And I can't do his voice, but oh, Hannah, she wanted a son. She wanted a son. And God answered it for a boy. He answered it for a boy. And he would end the invitation. He would have these great meetings and he would say, all right, every lady who wants a son, who maybe you've been praying for such a long time for a son. You've been praying for a child that every lady who wants a child, please stand up. And what would happen is that he would have a bunch of ladies that would come that that had not been able to have children. And he would pray for them. Every, he said, Lord, every one lady that's standing here, Lord, please bless them with children and that you would allow them to have children. And it would be amazing. Year after year, people would come up and said, we saw every doctor and everything. But then you prayed for us, Dr. Rice. And look, we have them. There was a time that some family met him and they said we had tried doctors and everything. And then you you prayed for us and now we got 12 and the husband said is there any way you could turn it off you know and uh, he was just he was known for his prayers well towards the later part of his years he he had a stroke and uh, he was having a hard time and one of the last times he preached that he went to the pulpit and his mind was going a little bit and at the invitation he he had everyone stand and then he went and closed his eyes and prayed and said, Lord, everyone that's standing here, please give them a child. Please bless them with a child. And, and they said, people that were there said, all of a sudden people started sitting down. Oh, no. They had a little old lady who was here in the 60s saying, oh, no, I must have misheard. Please, no. Uh, another preacher that was there, Dr. Curtis Hudson, he sat down just in case he got, you know, something from it. And, but, you know, God is a God. Who can answer prayers. Even the impossible. We just got to trust him. You know sometimes. We have to get past. Just the barrenness. And saying I need a prayer answered. And we have to get to the brokenness. That says God. You have to answer this prayer. And I surrender myself. Whatever you would have me to do. You do it. But Lord I need you to answer that. I don't know what's been on your heart. Maybe there's a family member that is just so far gone that there's no way they can be reached. Let me tell you, God could reach them. Maybe there's a physical thing that's been so aggravating in you and so bothered you and it just won't go away. Can you ask for it? Can you deliver it to the Lord? Maybe there's something else altogether that maybe if someone else doesn't know about, but it's something that keeps you up. It's something that you wake up with. Something that just deep in your chest. That when you get quiet time and everything's quiet and there's nothing distracting. Your thoughts go there. And it's such a burden. Can you go to the Lord? Can you go to Him? Can you go to an altar like Hannah did and just let it out? You know, sometimes we, we get satisfied with five second prayers. You know, Hannah didn't have a five second prayer. She prayed until she was done with it. Until she got that peace. She prayed it through until she knew that God said, I've got it handled. I've got it taken care of. 
We do have a God who is real. We have a God who is able to listen. And as we're preparing for this revival, as we're preparing for victories in our church, remember the theme this year is building and battling. Let me tell you, there's no more important battles than the battles, the fights you do on your knees. We need to take all this to prayer. That's where we're going to see the victory because it's not in us. The victory is in Jesus. We just lost the art of praying. We're satisfied with mediocre prayers and half-hearted prayers and things that we just kind of lift up just to do our duty and to check off a box. And we failed to get a hold of God. We failed to turn our cares over to the Lord for He careth for us. We get to the place where we stop our tears And we're ashamed of our tears. And you know what? Sometimes God will say, I'm just waiting for you to cry. I'm waiting for you to be broken. I'm waiting for you to finally get tired of carrying this yourself. And go to the Lord. And allow Him to bear that load. Allow Him to take it. Allow Him to give you that peace that says, I've got it well in hand. I've got it. I'll take it from here. Can you pray? Can you pray? You see, this is all about, not about prayer. It's about the God that we pray to. Is he big enough to answer your prayers? Is he big enough? Is he bigger than the situation? Bigger than the problem? Bigger than the adversary? Is he big enough for you to finally trust him completely and allow him to handle it? Is he that big of a God? Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 920- Five three zero six three zero eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero six three zero eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.